All right, welcome back, everybody, to another show of Flyway Connections. Today, I'm here with my uh, two hosts, uh, Joe and Joe. But well, today they're gonna go by uh, Joe and Spe- uh, Meyer. So, uh, Joe. Hey, how are you guys doing today? Uh, Yo, super glad to have Myers as a co-host again. Um, hopefully, hopefully, when time presumes, we make this a permanent thing. But but our main attraction today is someone that we'll, uh, I look up to personally in the waterfowl community. Um, the owner of Bayou Beast, Dale Bordelin. Hey, hey, how you doing today, Dale? Doing good, doing great. Great to be on, man. Great to be talking with y'all. Hey, thank you. Uh, it's always good to talk waterfowl, especially in the off season, to get us through these these summer days. I mean, it's actually really good too, as far as talking to somebody with the experience that you have, Dale. Um, especially for somebody like me who didn't grow up waterfowling, so I'm actually uh, pretty excited about this conversation. Kind of, kind of uh, a little interested about to see how you got uh, how y'all waterfowl back in the day. Uh, before I wasn't, I wasn't on a speck in my father's eye or whatever, but, um, yeah. <laughs> Myers, did you have anything? Yeah, no. Hey Dale, just, uh, you know, I, I checked you out, uh, chatted with you about you with, uh, with Joe Sparris and Chris here, man, super excited to have you on and fellas glad to be back. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. Hopefully we can get you, uh, what? stayed on. But. It's an honor to be be here. Honor to be on here. Thank you. I appreciate. It. So let's go ahead and get it started. So I actually had a question. This was something uh, spontaneous for me, anyways, because as a new waterfowler, I was kind of intrigued about the whole uh, wood decoys. Now I know I'm talking to Joe here. Um, that w- that that was the way decoys were made back in the day. I mean, you used. Uh, you water jugs, or at least from my understanding, he he said people use water jugs or and paint them, or they use uh, cork. Uh, wood cork or wood decoys. Now, as far as your decoys, so do you sell any of your decoys, or it's just personal use? Well, no, I don't sell them. I, I've been making decoys about thirty years, mm-hmm. and uh, on and off, and I've have sold some to people, give some to friends and all, but. What I what I have left now, I have about thirty decoys, and some are thirty years old, and I got them in my call shop on on a display. And when I hunt with them, I just take them down and go hunt with them. But uh, no, th- those I'm gonna pass them down to. I got two boys I hunt with, and I have some grandkids, so I'm not gonna sell none of those. They'll be passed down to them. They made they they made out of sharpish root. Mm-hmm. The ninety percent of them, sarpish root uh, that I found myself in the swamps hunting. I never bought nothing to, no blocks to carve. I find all my roots when I'm hunting. I'm looking for that. Mm. So I find when I find they're bringing home. My 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 goal is to make these decoys like my ancestors did. Not buy nothing like they did late 1800s, 1900 era. So I personally find my own decoys. I make my own lead. I got my own mold. So uh, it's to keep it. That's part of my heritage, and and I'm going to keep that going like that. And uh, I like to make some more, but I don't have the time right now with all these duck calls I got I'm making. Yeah, that's flying off the shelves. But I have enough to hunt with. (laughs) I mean, I got but uh they're just gunning decoys no feather burns nothing they made like my these people made them a hundred years ago out of necessity not to say hey look how pretty this is 
That was a tool for them back then. That's kind of how I'm doing it, same way. Yeah, and I, I guess I, I was the only reason I was asking because I was I was curious because I, I honestly I, I was thinking, hey, maybe I can carve them myself. I mean, but it has to there has to be some type of technique in there, looking for the right uh, um, type of wood for the decoys. Um, and I was like, well, maybe he sells some. I mean, I could buy on on the website or something, but. Uh, it was just a question of mine. Now, do you have a tutorial on how to make those decoys? Well, I'll tell you what. I've watched some elderly people growing up, and mm-hmm. uh, everybody, I just take a hatchet and shape, shape out a block of wood. <laughs> now, if I find a, pl- a block of wood, it's small, I'll use, I'm, that's how they don't. I'll make a teal with it or a wood duck. If it's a big block, I'll make a goose. Most of mallards are... Uh, big ducks with it but i just shape it out i don't have no patterns that and most of these old thomas didn't have no patterns mm-hmm. some did i have some patterns but i just use i mostly just art up myself now i'll make a decor slot higher bigger than a natural duck that's how mm-hmm. most of these are just for presentation when they're looking at them from there i yeah. want something to stand out a little bit that's my personal uh personal way of doing it but I have no, I have no way of. You just gotta ha- take a hatchet. I take a saw, round uh-huh. it off the corner, and take a hatchet, just rough it out like that. That's pretty much how I do it. Yeah, I got. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and then send you a picture. Hopefully, you don't. It's, it's not even gonna come out looking like a duck. Probably come out looking <laughs> like. Um, well, <laughs> now look, they they got books, and you can buy the blocks. Uh-huh. Most people have patterns and it, and you know with, with big bandsaws you can cut it out it's not hard but mm-hmm. i don't do it that way it's too easy it's not old-fashioned i like the old way of doing things yeah you want to keep that purity in it i want to keep that old i don't want to have no tools involved because when i kill a duck on it it means a hard times more doing it the old way oh yeah it's very reasonable hey dale you know kind of while we're on that topic you know from the looks of it you're you're quite a craftsman it's it's not necessarily just the, about the decoys right can you talk about some of the other um like hunting gear that that you carve like specifically i'm gonna butcher this but you're uh piros piro yeah can you talk about your, oh, yeah. and your and the blind that you hunt out of as well it looks like you made all of it yourself i'll make everything yeah the duck got piros go back when the french I'm a hundred percent French and my people come to Louisiana in the seventeen twenties on my daddy's side. Mom, here's my uh, grandma and grandpa, both sides in the 17th, my years and board loans. You can look it up. My wow. mama's people went to the grand, my grandma, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Grandma and grandpa, they come from France, but went to uh, Canada. She spoke French and can understand my daddy. So I got it all kind of ways. Uh, and my people, my daddy's people is, is what they call, it's a Creole French. It's not Cajun. But I do have some Cajun blood. It's a line, uh, Leblons and uh, Swallows. I have a bloodline in me. It's all mixed up. So I'm pretty, <laughs> much, pretty much all French. But... Getting back to it, when the French people came to Louisiana, the Indians was making dugouts already, but they 
they would make like a 30 foot boat pirogue out of a cypress log. Oh. And then they would burn the inside out. They would make a boat to put, you know, 10 people, five, 10, eight, whatever. Oh. So the French people saw that they had blacksmiths. So they just shortened the boat to like 12, 14 foot, make a one man pirogue. And they, they had tools that the blacksmiths made and they hauled them out. They, you know, cut out. Uh, that's kind of how, that's how I do it. And, and they started doing that in around 1780, the French people. Wow. And they made dugouts probably until 1930. And that kind of played out because uh, the big trees was cut with the industry, the logging industry. They started going to plank boats, you know, uh, boards. There was no, but I've found some big trees. I've made four dugouts already. Wow. And I have three here, and that's what we hunt with. And I, I, I accumulated the tools, and what I didn't, I made my own tools. And I, I visited some old people that used to do this years ago, and they taught me how. So, and I took it and I ran with it, and I hunt with my own dugout pirogue now with my handmade decoys, and it, it 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 really really adds to the hunt. I love it. I I got a big blind. I park that boat right next to the blind while I'm sitting. If I got a crippled duck. I jump in that boat and I chase it down. Yeah, and uh, I I love it. That, that's another big part of my heritage. And uh, so, so I built part- my first boat. I built it wasn't that wide, and I had a man, a fella, did an article in a magazine, hunting and co- collectibles magazines, mm-hmm. and a rich man from Kentucky saw that he wanted to buy that boat. I said it's not for sale, <laughs> and uh, he hauled back and forth and. I, it was a, it was a little unstable. So I told my <laughs> wife, I think I'm gonna sell it to him. That way I can build me another. There you so go. He, he, I sold it to him for three thousand dollars. Oh wow! And uh, he he had a big hunting lodge, and he bought us up that hunting. Well, I went bring him the boat, and uh, it, it, it was a product. It was a good trip. He he put that boat. He wanted to hang it upside down to display a Louisiana dugout. So it went to a good cause. My, I took my boys. We killed a bunch of ducks. So anyway, I built me a couple. I built me three more since then. And, and we hunt with them all the time. They're very nice boats. That's amazing, nice. man. So, so as far as uh, what Myers was saying, as far as your, and I, I didn't even see this. He kind of researched a little bit more than I did uh, on that. So you're blind. Did you build that all? Your, what do you, how'd you uh, go about building that blind or your little uh, setup you well, had out blind. there while you're hunting? My, my big blind that mm-hmm. while I hunt at it, that lake fluctuate about four or five feet with the water. I used to have a big blind before that, you know, in the ground with posts, but when the water is low, it sticks up so much. And we would kill ducks about halfway through the season. And then they, it was, they would pick it out too good. Uh. So I built me a new, I came up with, uh, this, this new blind's a floating blind. I know. So it sits real, <clears throat> real low in the water, and I stuck it in the buttonwoods, and and I, I put moss, buttonwoods, and vines, and you can't, man, you can't pick it out. We kill ducks to the last day of the season. It's so hidden that a lot of people have blinds. I learned that myself, you know, in, not quite in the right. I, I didn't move the blind five feet, made all the difference in the world. Gotta have that in a good hidden location, the sun behind your back. Got to be brushed with the same 
stuff that you your surroundings. It, you know, it's, it's, it's just more to building a blind. But but this blind, it's a four-mine shooting gallery. I got two bars. I'm my best friend. And I got a good back. We could go in there and get warm and sit down, lay down, whatever. It's a nice blind. Nice, nice. So, uh, so and you're kind of a, uh, when it comes to waterfowl, you, everything you do, you, you make by yourself. So, and that there's a, the, which a decoys, uh, I'm sorry, the decoys, the uh, duck calls I saw that you were making. Um, I actually definitely want to get somehow get my hands on one of them. But uh, how, how did you start into uh, duck calling uh, or duck call making? I was just, I bought a, my first duck call was a fox. And I remember as a young boy smelling in the barrel all the time. I loved the, it was cedar. And I, while I hunt, I'd smell in it and bust it. But I just loved it. Yeah. And I, it, it was all right. But I tried to build me a call years ago. This is 30 years ago. That would sound like I wanted. And that's very difficult. Yeah. When you get to that soundboard. But, but anyway, to make a long story short, I bought me a lathe and I built some calls. I sold uh-huh. some calls. But I didn't like that too much. Ugh. I sold my late, and I quit that for a while. That I, I made me some cane calls. Now, just a long time ago, I made my own cane calls to hunt with. Mm-hmm. And then people wanted, you know, some people wanted to buy. I couldn't make them. I just barely made me. I made me three or four. Yeah. With, I had with my job and all, and I didn't want to do it then. I didn't do. I didn't pursue it, and then. I started making some more years down the road and people wanted them and I didn't have the time cause I had small kids and I was busy working. So what I did, I, I found a fellow, a friend of mine, a fellow I know, I mean, he wasn't a friend. He made calls in South Louisiana and, uh, it, it was called Chan Collier. That means spotted dog in French. He made a very good call. Very, made a real very speckle belly call. That's right. He was known yeah. and famous for that speckle belly call. He did a hell of a job. Yeah, he did. And, uh, but he had a, a cane call, and uh, I went down one day with my friend, was goose hunting over there, and I never met the man. I had a cane call on my neck, and that old man, he was very forward. That old man said, let me hear you blow that call, son. <laughs> I blew it. He said, God dang, that sounds better than a duck. I said, man, I appreciate that. He, he propositioned me to make the soundboard for him, which I was very flattered. But I didn't have no way of doing it because the one I had was made behind. I can't mass produce that. Yeah. And I told him I wish I could, but I can't. So what I did, I asked him that right there, I said, who, who mows out your calls? He said, John, I'm going to give you a name of a fella, and he's an honest man. That means a lot in uh, today's world. And yeah. that's who's doing my calls now. So what I did on those bamboo calls, I sent off my bamboo calls. Now, we went back three or four times. This fella molded them out for me. And, they, and I sent him my best soundboard. And it's very ducky. And that's the call I use today in, wow. in my molded call. That's the calls I sell. It's a cane call. I had molded out one of my best calls. And uh, it's it, it very ducky. It, it's made out of poly carbohydrate material mm-hmm. that's kind of in between acrylic and wood it's a good sound 
Mm. And, uh, but, but recently, people wanted the real cane coal, so I made up my mind, I'm going to do it. I'm a, that's my heritage. I'm old enough. I want to get some of that heritage out. It means a lot to me. Yeah. So I built me a shop to do this, and I started, I'll go harvest my own bamboo all over Louisiana. And uh, I started making, now, it takes me several hours to make a call. I don't have no late. It's all by hand. And uh, I had a man come to my shop a while back, a call maker. Uh-huh. And he told me, you could, I, you could get a late man and, and, and zoom for that exhaust barrel to fit in that your big barrel. I said, yeah, I could do that, but it wouldn't be handmade. I want to do it like my ancestor. So I'm going to stay on that path. It takes me two hours to make a duck hole. And I have a two-year waiting list as we speak. Oh, my gosh. And oh, wow. I'm going, I'll go now and make weekend before last, I made 25. That's three. We had a uh, memorial day. That's three 10-hour days. Oh, wow. I, I mean, I went extra board. I can't do that every day. My goal is to make two or three a day so I don't get burnt out. Yeah. I do it seven days a week. So, you know, it's going to take a while to get a call. So people, and they all have to be patient with this. Yeah. But it, it, it's, a, it, it's a Louisiana cane call all by hand with a pocket knife. And, and that's what you're going to get. Now, you can get a cedar soundboard uh, just like the, <clears throat> the old people. Or I'll give you an option. I put my that molded out soundboard. I can put your single reed and a double reed, and they both sound real good. Oh, nice! <clears throat> they, they're very ducky. I mean, yeah, I got I got to get my. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I'm gonna put my order in, so I hopefully I can get mine um, here soon. Because <laughs> I, I'm, I definitely, I was looking at. I'd, to me, anything that looks like that, that's handcrafted, is just is beautiful. So um, that's just my opinion, and I think any. Uh, and there's some calls that uh, uh, Joe's uh, buddy Stump that makes, and some of the calls he makes are beautiful as well. And I, and to be honest, I I can't duck I, I can't duck calls save my life, but I just I buy them because they look beautiful. So kind of like a yeah. little shrine for me. I try, and I'm still trying. Um, I'll get there one day, and hopefully one day uh, I can go out by myself and duck call instead of calling. Uh, Joe over here to hey man record me a duck call so I play it on my phone. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, absolutely. But that that's that's amazing. I really do. Uh, I got. I I really love hearing what um, y'all did back then, and it's just like any story from because especially from the uh, society now. I mean, hearing stories from my grandfather and my grandparents, and um coming from a military background here their stories of what they went through in different uh different times of the military service so um it's the same thing when it comes to the waterfowl community or even uh big game community or any type of uh um any type of outdoors uh living so um now for the listeners what is is there do you have a website or social media that they can actually find uh these duck calls well I'm, i don't have a website but i'm on facebook Okay. And, and the name of my page is Bayou Beast Calls. Okay, nice. And I have, you go to my videos, I got videos hunting with my molded calls, cane calls, and a bunch of other stuff. I, you know, uh, explain about the calls and all good, helpful information. Nice, nice. So, talking about your calls and the calls you hunt with, um, Dell, if you were to look at your lanyard on, on this, 
and then every day, what calls do you usually, how many do you run in your lanyard? And um, what calls from your lineup of calls do you like hunting with like, throughout the season? Do you change it up or is there a specific? Well, I got, uh, yeah, I'll hunt with three calls or with my moldy calls. <clears throat> I have a gumbo maker, the perfect hen, and I'll have a teal call. Or, uh, I usually have two duck calls, one hard pitch and one little low pitch, because some days they like different sounds that work, you know, when they're hard to work. And I use a, I got a gray duck hen. It's a hard pitch gray duck. That's all confidence called that gray duck and that teal. But I throw that in there all the time because that's realistic, you know. <laughs> they they animate with each other all the time. But um, on my cane calls, I mostly hunt like the old people. I have a homemade lanyard. My daddy had a trot line from the 1960s. Oh, wow. It's a big cotton rope on it. I use that for my personal lanyard because it's, when I go hunting, it's a strong connection with him, with you know, all our lives growing up fishing that trot line. I made my bars in the lanyard with it. They wanted some. And I put one or two calls with the bamboo calls. What I mean is, years ago, them old people had one call mostly with a hard rubber reed cedar soundboard. And I'll go like that hunting, old school. And it, that's very meaningful to hunt that way. So I pretty much, when it comes to those cane calls, now I have five or six in my box with me. But I'll hunt, some days I hunt a double reed. Most of the time it's that old single reed, just for mm-hmm. traditional. I'm a very traditional person. And, and and that's pretty much what I use. I like using all the old stuff that was used years ago. When I, years ago, 30 years ago, I used to, we used to kill a lot of ducks and I'd bring all these old, I didn't like the food. I had my friends, but I, my thrill was to go sit with the old people and listen to their stories. And mm-hmm. I would bring them ducks, and, and I brought them ducks to third until they all passed on, and they'd tell me all these stories. And when they died, the stories is dead. So I started writing all these stories down. And I, I have a bunch of stories, and I plan to turn that into a book one day. I don't have time now. I have stories, man. Them old people did. You talk about was hard ships back in the day. Yeah. Uh, I got stories going back to the early thirties, the duck hunts they made. And, uh, one old man sold ducks in new Orleans mm-hmm. and they didn't have no fresher dyers. That's what they called them. Fresher dyers. They had whales to drink out of and they'd put their ducks in the well. And it lasts four, five, six days. It was cool down there. And when they get a whole bunch, then they'd make a trip to New Orleans and sell them. And uh, just wow. small stories like that. And I grew up, that's how I grew up. My daddy's old friend sold duck feathers when he was, when, when I was a early 60s, mid 60s. Mm-hmm. They sold fat. They was very poor. Everybody was poor back then. And they kill a lot of ducks. So I do that myself because that's how I was raised. I mean, hearing these stories and, and I used to sleep at these people's house when my, you know, when I was a kid with their uh, kids. So I save all my duck feathers 
to make pillows. And I'll make my own pillows, and I give them to uh, – I had as much as 30 socks of feathers at one time. Crawfish, that, that's uh, 1,200 ducks. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Oh, wow. And I had them in my storeroom, and my wife was hounding me. So I, I put it on a market. You can't sell feathers, but you can give them away. I put it on a market bulletin, and a, a lady was teaching a, a sewing class with a bunch of uh, girls for a school deal, home ec. I gave her the whole thing. I mailed it to her. Oh, my oh, gosh. So that's right. So, But I still I got sacks right now hanging in my shed, but I got five sacks, and I'm going to make my bar pillar this year. It takes a year, year for them to age to, for the germs. The smell, you know, if they buy it, I wash them. If they clean ducks, I, I'm not going to wash them. Yeah. They don't need to be, but uh, I just ate. I put them in a crawfish sack. I fluff them up and just let them sit in there a year. They're ready to go, man. I got a pillow I sleep on now right here. You talk about comfortable. Man, oh, nice. I was going to back into it. <laughs> but um, So uh, you're talking about the gumbo maker. Uh, I know your old 870 has burned on it or um, displayed on it uh-huh. as your, uh, your old gumbo maker. But what, what I find real interesting, too, like you're not just even going back into history, yeah, going back into history with um, the ducks and the decoys, but you're going back into history where you're hunting with the same shotguns, like, you know, that, uh, like my, my great grandfather handed out to me with. You know the Brown A fives, the Winchester twelve um, hundreds, one of the model old model twelves, and uh, you went back to some of, some of the old Winchester uh, was it eighteen uh, yeah eighteen ninety sevens. Um, what got you back um, into hunting with those old shotguns? Years ago, that was a man. My dad had a model 12. I have it now, and we always admired them old guns when I grew up, and I used that gun. It wasn't old in the 70s. I was using his gun a lot. We killed a lot of ducks with it. And as it got old, steel came out. We put it up like all them old shotguns. I have a lot of old shotguns I didn't shoot since that steel. I knew a man that my best friend I hunt with, he bought two 1897s from a fella that he bought from an old man at Lake Pearl. One of them had a hunting license in the butt from 1929 i made a copy of it i have the copy i don't have the original and it's i have both of those guns here now because i'm using them mm. and i just kept looking at it and when them ball shells came out i said you know what i love them guns with them hammers man them old 97s mm-hmm. so i took it hunting several years ago i had issues with one and i used the other one and that son of a gun, you talk about, I couldn't believe how I was killing with it. <laughs> I, yeah. I used that 870 for 27 years in a row without using another gun. And that is my go-to gun. But when I started using this gun, I think my killing ratio went up. <laughs> it's a 30-inch full choke, but that's what it takes for ball shells. I shoot a number five, ounce and a quarter, two and three quarter. Huh. I shot some sevens. For teal season, unbelievable, unbelievable. But I love it. Just it really takes me. This my, my old guns made in 1915. 
I've, this year we killed around 600 ducks, me and my boys. It never let me down, never missed a lick, and I made several triples with that gun. Oh, yeah. On the wing. And uh, it just, it really goes back in time with them cane calls, my dugout. So it, it really puts me in an era like they was in 1900. Now, what I've done since then, in in 1900 era, when they sold ducks in New Orleans, they used to ship ducks all over the United States from the local uh, hunters. They used to pack them in wooden barrels uh-huh. with ice and ship them by train all over. When the train, when you know, the ice came out in the late seven, 1870s, then the train in the 1890s, 80s, 90s, they came out. So then you could really market hunt. They had a they had a way to get these ducks all over. Yeah. Well, they had these people make these wooden barrels. That's the only way you could ship ducks. You put them in. They used to do it by ice in a slotted barrel. I'm sorry, salt. They salt them down in slotted barrels. Uh-huh. Ice was the way to go. They, the Coopers made these big wooden barrels. They'd ice them down and they'd ship them. I had me a barrel made last year or after the season, and I'm going to start putting my ducks in one of those barrels. Huh. I got a Cooper made me a wooden barrel with my name on I'll put my name on it. And I'm going to, when I go to the camp, my duck, my ducks are going to go in that wooden barrel. And then when I transport it, till I get home, then I'm going to dehead them, whatever you got to do and freeze them. <laughs> so I'm 100%. 1900 era <laughs> yeah you know that's no joke um it's funny you know hearing you say that and you think about now guys are spending four or five hundred dollars just on a yeti itself Ooh. to put you, you know another two thousand dollars for for a shotgun and, and it's just amazing it's, you know you just sticking to the you know back to the old well, roots you know it's like i told my good friend Duck hunting and God as big as it's gonna get right now. They can't get no like those combines, eighteen wheelers. That's it. it. That's not the way I want to go. Mm-hmm. So I took a step back and I'm going the opposite way, and I really enjoy it a whole <laughs> lot more. I tell you what, we go to the camp. Some we got a duck camp, and some of the big shots come. They show me them guns, them new guns. I don't care to see all that, that new camouflage. I'm not being ugly. And I'm, I'm glad for them. It don't interest me. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't like all that. I like the old stuff. A man can you give a man a double barrel, he comes back with limited ducks. No, he did something. That's what it's about. Uh-huh. That's amazing, man. Hey, you know, uh, Dale, so much, so much of what we talked about so far is just the kind of about your heritage and, and where you come from. I'm curious um, how you're passing it on to, to the next generation. Uh, you know, your kids, like how, how are they hunting? Are they, are they more new school or are they more to the 1900s style that, that you, that you've grown accustomed to? My bar, I got two bars and a very, very good duck hunters. I yeah. taught mm-hmm. them the fundamentals, how to look for ducks, how to go about killing them. Dwayne, it's not just going to a blind killing ducks. They, and they know all, they're very, very, very good. Mm. But they hunt with 870s, old 870s that I got them, because that's what I always shot. Yeah. And uh, they don't have no fancy stuff. They, I guess, they don't make cane. Well, I got one of them helping me. 
But uh, they use my dugout P-Rogue. They use my old stuff, my V-Cars. They're not in to what I'm doing because I wasn't doing that at 20 years old neither. Right, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I think it's going to really, I see it's really putting a foundation in them. And I think, I think they're going to be glad they was raising that environment when I'm going, you know. Yeah. They got a lot to pick up on them. I mean, yeah. I got boats for them already, guns, big cars. But uh, they, they're automatically hunting in that way without even realizing it, what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. They grew up in that fashion, you know? Absolutely, but, yeah. Uh, and do they have an affinity for uh, call making or, or some of the finer craftsmanship that you do? Well, I have one son. He's helping me. The other son, he probably would, but he works away all week. Yeah. But uh, he likes all that. They both like it. Oh, yeah, they love it. Cool. And uh, uh, it, I think I left a big mark on them, <laughs> or it will, you know, as it goes more. Yeah, I, I think I, I definitely think that's uh, that's definitely uh, good as far as leaving a mark. I know the stories from my grandfather, and I mean, it leaves a mark for me now from um, what he grew up doing and uh, their their generation and their just their uh, roughnecking it everywhere and just trying to make a living. So. Um, yeah, it, I'm glad to hear that you're actually pa- that we're passing it on. Um, and your boys, I, I'm pretty sure they're going to go ahead and just pass it on there. They, you have grandkids. You said oh, yeah. you did earlier. Yeah, yeah, I got a couple of grand. Yeah, they they little though, but okay, they got it in them. I can tell by now. Uh, but my boys, I've been alligator hunting for 35 years. Oh, nice. And they they know they. They come with me. They catch them. I go with them. I mean, but we do as a family. We go sell them. Uh-huh. The whole nine yards. Like last night, they, we barbecued, and they was talking about how, why to put a blind, and, and when the wind blows, this is a good spot. for. We're always talking about that and trying to – they got, they're very educated. There's mm-hmm. different places you can kill ducks with different winds, and they picked up good on all that. Most people just go – I know a lot of people – the wind's wrong. It's not no good. You know, you got to hunt the winds. What's best for that spot. Huh. And, uh, there's a lot in duck hunting. It's just not going to a blowing. And I learned that with the old people. When I bring them those ducks, they taught me a lot. They was killing a hundred ducks a hunt. So they taught me a lot. And I, you know, and my daddy was a big duck hunter. He would, he had model 12, uh, a model 12 old guns. And he, they used to kill nothing but miles, but, he taught me a lot, so I kind of took all that and ran with it and put kind of in my own way. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I decided if I'm going to hunt, and I love to hunt, duck hunt by far, my, it's my favorite. I'm going to do it like the old people did, and that's what I want to do, and that's what I've accomplished. And I love it. I wouldn't want it no other way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, actually, before I actually have one more question, uh, I actually have one more question for you uh, before we. Um, wrap this up because i know joe and uh and myers over here they got they got a couple questions but so i have it is a two-part question one uh as far as your call lineup which one is your favorite that's a hard question (laughs) when i when i made that gumbo maker yeah i took my boy he was in college he had two roommates to come hunt my daddy used to do this we went to the camp we didn't bring nothing to eat 
I said, boys, we're going to kill some ducks, and that night we're going to cook them. We're going to make a gumbo. Mm -hmm. Gumbo's big in Louisiana. I love gumbo. So that day we went hunting, and them boys was greenhorns. I did all the calling. I just made that little call. Uh-huh. We killed 17 ducks that morning. All right. And after the hunt, one of those fellas said, Mr. Dale, what's the name of that call? I said, I don't have a name for it. He said, you're called the gumbo maker. I said, you just <laughs> named it. <laughs> okay. So that's so how that-, that, you know, that's how it came about. And, uh, they all got names that really happened. That's uh, the perfect hand. 14 ducks landed at least 200 yards from him. Uh-huh. I started blowing that perfect hand. I thought it was great ducks. It was a mallet and great ducks. I had a mallet hand swam 200 yards, left them and swam in my decoys with that call. I looked at my little nephew. I said, dang, but one thing to name this call. That's the perfect hand. Uh, nice, nice. And, and that's a true story. So I like the gumbo maker, the mama hen, hunting wires. The angry uh, old Susie, old okay. Susie, <laughs> old that's Susie. a good story. That's a sangaree duck called that old Susie. Yeah, I saw. I had I had a duck right here, real mallard. One duck left, and when I build calls every day, she come answer me on the porch. I say, you know what? I'm gonna sit right here and make a call that sound just like her. Nice, nice. I never had a sangaree. It's all double. This is a sangaree call I built. It sounds like her. I took a picture of her, bought it to a shop, and they put it on a sticker, and that goes on that duck call, her picture. Oh, nice Susie. So the, now, when I hunt set- with my cane calls, I just hunt probably one at a time because I don't have a favorite. I'm going to just tell you now. I use them all. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, uh, the second part of that is I actually uh, messaged because uh, – I went to the uh, Facebook social media and um, I was about to place my order for an, a call. Um, and I guess it, it only gave me an option option to send you a message. So I sent you, I don't know who handles your social media, but I sent you a message. Uh, and, you know, I want to buy a call. So I was, that's why I was curious, which one is your favorite. So now I'm just going to buy all of them. <laughs> oh, well, I, appreciate, I appreciate it. No, I answer everything. Uh-huh. Boy, help me. I have another job. This is a hobby, uh-huh. but it, 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 it became a full-time job, but they might, I might be at work, but I'll answer you back, but I'll do all the answering and everything on it for now. Now, when I retire from my job, I'm, I plan to, I'll get me a face, uh, so, uh, web page and go out a little bit bigger. Cause that's all I'll be doing. Yeah. Nice. And it keep you busy too. Um, now, uh, I mean, that's basically all I had. Uh, Myers, you got anything for uh, Mr. Dale? I just have one quick question, Dale. I'm the uh, I'm the dog guy of the group. I was just wondering, it, were there any dogs in, uh, like, did you guys hunt with dogs back w- when you were growing up? Or did any anybody that you learned from hunt with dogs? No. <laughs> that's, a little, that's a little place I hunt, but I live called Lake Pearl. Yeah. Most of them old people was French, and they sold ducks. And they go, they they go to the edge of the water, and they had their pirogues there. And they jump in that pirogue and paddle to that ring. Yeah, that's the way I was brought up. My dad, nobody had dogs back then. I don't have no dogs. 
There's too yeah. many alligators where I hunt right now to start with. Ooh. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I mean, that, some people hunt just for the dog. I have nothing wrong with that. I just, my dog is my pirogue. Nice. And in the summertime, I don't have to feed that all year. She sits right there. <laughs> it's a little bit easier. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I enjoy going to paddle. I, I'll bring everybody to the blind. My pirogue is about 200 yards. I'll go back with the big boat, jump in my pirogue, and paddle back. To, I love it, man. That, that's part of the hunt for me. That is cool, man. Very cool. <laughs> Joe, did you have anything? Yeah, for for, for my last one, um, I know you hunted hunted out of the state this year. I think it was Nebraska, but besides the swamps of Central Louisiana, where are some of your other favorite places to hunt? That's the the only place I ever hunted was Kentucky when I went and bring that pirou and Nebraska. Nebraska never hunted nowhere else. I have. All the holes I want around my house. We got a good duck camp. Or I got my house. And my wife will have a big gumbo or we cook. I have no reason to travel all over is what I'm saying. Yeah. I got, we got everything I want is an hour from here, 45 minutes. But I plan whenever I do quit, I mean, my job play, whenever, <clears throat> let me put it this way. Whenever I retire, and it won't be that long. I plan to start traveling with these calls and going to different places. That's on, well, I went to Nebraska. I may go make several hunts this year in Mississippi, Arkansas. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's up in the air. And uh, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to plan on doing that. But as of now, I don't go too far. I've got yeah. my good, I've been hunting the same spot 35 years. We kill four to six hard ducks every year. I don't see no reason to go nowhere. Oh, no, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> so as far as, and I know you don't, once you retire, is there a, is there a, maybe a specific uh, dream hunt that you may want to do once you retire? Different country, different, uh, I guess, no, uh, flyway? No, no. Just, it just don't matter to you. you. You good there. <laughs> I'm dream hunting in that dugout every time I get in it. <laughs> that is, yeah, nice, that's nice. amazing. Dream nice. It's but, like uh, when I'm in that boat, Hunting yeah. them old decars, I'm honoring the old people ahead of me that's gone. That's the way I look at it. I'm keeping my heritage alive. I love to hunt Louisiana. Now I hunt all over around Louisiana now. Yeah. But uh, I'll tell you, what, if, you ever, if you ever have time, I mean, there's always a spot for you in my rice blind over in Welsh. Where's that at now? Uh, um, I have a rice pit out there in Welsh, the Welsh area. Yeah, no, I might take you up on that. Yeah, you're always more than welcome on that. Oh, I got to be there, too. That's a couple of hours from here, Yeah, from where I live. Yeah, um, I was just up towards your uh, way the other day, um, crappie fishing up there in DeVille. I was uh, fishing out of um, Lardo. Yeah, Lardo. That's not that's 30 30 minutes, 30 miles from here. 30 minutes from here. Usually I'll do a couple hunts over there in um, Catahoula. Yeah, I hunt Calahoula too at my bars. Uh, yeah. Last year we had a real good teal season. And oh, I've been yeah, hunting yeah. there since I was 15, I guess. I have a lot, a lot of memories. I love Calahoula Lake, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely, uh, if we can get you down there, that'd be, that'd be great. Actually, it'd be, uh, be pretty nice to actually uh, meet you person uh, to person. Um, so I don't know, maybe Joe can work something out. 
because uh, he's down there in Louisiana, and me and uh, Myers over here in Texas. So, but uh, absolutely would be nice. Yeah, it would. It would absolutely uh, be nice. But as far as uh, you guys are all good. As we, okay. So as far as Dell, did you have any questions for us before we uh, let you go? I just want to thank y'all for having me on here. And uh, uh-huh. it's always nice to explain my story. And uh, y'all make some gumbo down there when you go to Welch. Oh, yeah. My, my, uh, <laughs> my wife makes a good gumbo. Uh, my wife's a big into the gumbo. She, she makes a gumbo. Chris has some. Um, yeah, she made some, uh, some wood, duck uh, wood, wood duck gumbo. That was really good. Really good. Oh, well, yeah. That wood duck is good. Yeah. No, I don't have, that's about it. Uh, yeah, I did. All the conversations. Yeah, yeah we, we definitely, uh, yeah. Um, it was definitely intriguing for me. So we definitely need to get you maybe in the future before season starts, get you on the show, kind of see where you're at and uh, with the duck con. I did send you a message so um, for some duck calls, and uh, I'm going to want everything. So, <laughs> Well, I appreciate it very much. Hey, no problem. I re- we appreciate you, Dale, for coming on. Um, but, uh, before we go, I, I do want to thank Dale for coming on. I want to thank uh, Bayou Beast and his call making and the hi- um, the history that he's doing or the heritage that he's keeping and passing along through his uh, kids because uh, I'm a big believer in that we need to do that so that our the next generation doesn't forget where we came from. So um, oh, I want to thank – yeah. I want to thank Valor and Honor Outdoors uh, for what they do for service members, veterans, first responders. Again, they don't just do hunts. They have a kind of what a family advocate programs in such a way, family counseling. They they they'll take you outdoors, uh, family um, camps or whatever. So, the, go ahead and get a hold of them. If you if you can't reach them, you can get a hold of them through flywayconnections.com or our social media. Um, we're gonna as far as the other Joe, we're definitely gonna try to get him as much as possible. But he's a busy man. Um, he acts like he's working, but he's not. He came from a, a commission <laughs> side of the commission side of the military, so we know he's not doing. He's not working. So, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but like always, y'all have a good one and uh, let Valor not fail.